You're listening to the IFF TV podcast, presented by Paul Nealon. This is the League of Ireland show, and it's episode three. I'm joined by Gary Spain and Gerard Brown. And I suppose to kick things off, you've got the Pats jersey on you there. We might as well talk about St. Pats, the early kickoff against Derry, 2 0 victory goals from Robbie Benson and Dara Burns with his first senior goal. Obviously, Derry City with uh, Lupano getting sent off for two yellows in the first half. But from your perspective, Jared, did you get a chance to watch the game and what were your feelings on the game overall? I did. I was. I was off work Friday, so I uh, full in front of LOI on Friday evening. Overall, yeah, happy. I think it was a good, solid, professional uh, kind of performance. I thought from a, a decent start in the opening five or ten minutes from Derry, it was quite clear after that that they looked like they were side they were going to settle and take a point. You could tell that they weren't on a good run. So even when uh, Lampino got sent off, it didn't really kind of change much because they were kind of sitting deep anyway and putting a lot of men behind the ball. I think the biggest thing that pressed me most about Pats was they didn't panic, they didn't kind of think we have to start forcing the initiative, we got the extra man. Just take your time, just relax, and eventually we should be kind of breaking down. And thankfully it came in the second half. A couple of good efforts in the first half. Um, was it Matty Smith and Chris Forrest are both for us. Dark side into a couple of good saves. Birmingham put in a great cross on the left-hand side and fortunately no one got in the end of it. And that man again was heavily involved in the opening goal. Lovely cross into the box. I thought at first Coughlin, you know, he overdone it, took too many touches. I thought maybe he should have hit himself. But thankfully it ran nicely for Robbie Benson. And he put it past dark side. And then second goal probably was the pick of the two of them. A brilliant ball out from the back from Matty Smith and Dara Burns, who I was impressed with last week against Bowles. Takes it well, gets a couple of touches, gets it out from his feet and puts across the face of the goal. And once that went in with a numerical, numer- extra man, even I should say. You numerical. Kind of numerical. Advantage. That's it. A numerical advantage. Definitely felt the points were always safe from there on in. Yeah, but just just on like the fact uh, that Derry get the second yellow. I mean, Lupano, the stupidity of that for the was a Billy King. He pulled back, and he just he could have just let him go. Like he was clearly on a yellow. There's no need to pull him back for the second yellow. I'm talking about. I just look at it. I'm just going, oh, like your your team is struggling right now. This is just not a thing that you need to be doing. You know, and I believe Declan Devoy just gave him an absolutely horrendous look. I was reading on Twitter. Um, obviously a great victory for Pats and uh, it's delighted for Dara Burns as well obviously his first senior goal Robbie Benson seems to be stepping up his game he obviously got, well I don't know if you'd give him the goal against Shamrock Rovers but you could say he played his part in it um, if you're going to give the Rory Gaffney goal against Sligo for Rovers you're going to have to give the Robbie Benson goal for, Sly, er, for Pats um, in that game but I think you know Robbie Benson's really stepped up for Pats and I think in recent years Pats have struggled you know, obviously with goals and stuff like that. And these are games that previously they probably would have drawn or, or, or probably even lost um, when they're expected to win. So the fact that they're going out and winning things and maybe the fact that he's brought in a lot of, I suppose, ex-Dundalk players who have experience in winning things, bring that valued experience mixed in with the youth. Obviously, the likes of Darrell Burns coming in. He's have a lot of young players coming through there in terms of the academy and coming up to the senior team. But Gary, when you've seen the, the result and... What were you thinking? Because I know you were on your way down to uh, Limerick. Yeah, look, Pats have made a really, really impressive start to the season. I mean, I, I think Stephen O'Donnell must be absolutely delighted. I mean, if you look at the fixtures, starting off away to Shamrock Rovers and then your next away game is Bohemians, the top two from last season. 
and uh, to take four points from those and to win both their home games against Trahada. And, uh, okay, you might expect them to beat Trahada, but to beat Derry as well. And uh, I suppose if you're looking at the start of the season, say Pats, if they go on a good run, might be in contention for Europe. And maybe that's still the aim, but uh, at what stage do you start to talk about title challenge, maybe? Um, I don't know. It is too early to tell. But certainly, it's been a fantastic start for Pats. And uh, Stephen O'Donnell and their fans must be absolutely delighted with that. On the, the other side of the coin, um, very wearing their colours to... today, so be careful what you say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, well, not quite candy stripes, but... Um, it has to be very disappointing for Derry City being being bottom of the table. Now, I know they have a game in hand, the game coming up against uh, Shamrock Rovers tomorrow night, but that's a pretty tough one as well. But they'll be bitterly disappointed with their start to the season. And uh, as you said, Paul, the red card was absolutely stupid. I mean, you're on a yellow card, particularly in the first half. You don't I mean, you're you're giving the game away by picking up a second one, and uh, Derry need to start picking up results very soon because they are. I mean, they're a massive club, and the Derry City fans would expect to see them at the other end of the table, basically challenging for Europe. They got sucked in uh, to a relegation battle that they shouldn't have been in last season, and uh, I don't think their fans are going to tolerate being where they are for, for much longer. So uh, they desperately need to, to turn this around. And uh, if not starting against uh, Shamrock Rovers, I think it's it's Drogheda to open the Brandywell on Friday night and there's going to be pressure on them to win that. Yeah, Jerry, just on those two games coming up for, for Derry, uh, obviously, you know, he has to get, Declan Devine, he has to get something out of those games or surely he's gone. I think that's a bit harsh. I know it's kind of stretching on from last season where I think there was frustration at the but way... But there's a season. lot of fans on his back. Yeah, I, mean, I, 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 to, I agree it's coming from. I'm in the Derry group as well on Facebook and even after the Waterford game, a couple of fans were saying he's only got two or three games. Like You do feel sorry from a limb in this game because a pure moment of stupidity in the first half costs, costs them... Well, not costs them, but it doesn't help their cause. Like There's no reason for him to get the other card. It's early in the game. It's a ball down the wing. It's not like as if Billy King's going to run through on goal. But like you do touch on, they do need to start kind of gathering points because everyone else in the table has now got points. Everyone else has at least got a win at this stage. And like they are slowly but surely going to start creeping themselves into an early relegation battle if they don't start picking up points. I think the Shamrock Rovers one for them is going to be a tricky one for them. I know uh, Rovers have had an okay start. They would probably prefer to have more points. But I think the Drottler game for me is one they've got to absolutely target. I know Drottler are coming into this one on the back of a massive win. But I think Derry would have been looking at Waterford and draw as the first two home games when I felt right, that's definitely going to be six points. And there's you know, the fact that they could be coming away Friday evening at half nine with no points on the board won't look pretty. But I I says, I think it would be harsh to sack Declan at this early stage of the season. I think there's still a long, long way to go, still a lot of football to go, but I do agree that they need to start getting points quickly or they'll just start to get into a very, very bad rush. Yeah, I'm not calling for his head or anything like that. I'm just well, saying Fans, fans are going to get on his back. Like I just pulled up the table there. I mean, like they've got no points in three games. They have a game in hand, a minus five uh, goal difference. Um, you know, so it's 
it's looking bleak for them until they unless they can turn that around. I mean, they got good quality in the squad, like players like Parkhouse, Garzo, it's a you know Northern Ireland international. They've got good players in their squad. Joe I think Hodge once come back from injury as well, like. Yeah, but I mean, he hasn't played or anything yet, so we can't be yeah. saying anything really about him till till he does start playing. Do you know what I mean? So I just think they do have good quality around their squad, and they need to start showing. They need to start picking up results, or ultimately, like in everything else, is results driven business. If they haven't got a point on the board yet, he'd probably be gone. Now, look, whether he goes or not, it's, it's not. I, I've no affiliation to Derry, so I don't um, f- feel for him in any way or you know i don't feel good or bad like i hope he stays his job i hope he can turn around but ultimately it's going to be the fans pressure that that, that counts on this um just uh, as a past fan I'm just going to put on my warning hash and safety hat here first we're all about good starts the season early tight contenders this start does come with a little bit of a health warning we only have to go back as far as two years ago and the harry kenny uh, reign we had eight points from four games and then we went on to lose our next three and our season never really kind of recovered from there so just as a Pats fan, just playing a little bit cautious, a little bit safe, but I do think Friday night's game, or at the same time, as much as I say that, I don't think Pats will ever get a better chance to win at Oriel Park, as we'll touch on in a couple of minutes. Yeah, well, uh, our man Russell Finden was at the game between Pats and Derry, and he caught up with Alan Matthews after the game. You can hear what he had to say here. This is the IFF TV Podcast. Ross Finnan here for IFFTV, here with Alan Matthews of St. Pat's. Congratulations on the three points and the performance. What went right today? Uh, we put the ball in the net twice, uh, which is a very simplistic answer. But overall, I thought we worked extremely hard uh, to break down a very resolute and, and hard to, to hard to play against Derry side who came here. Um, obviously, looking to try and get their season off to a positive. So we knew it was going to be a tough game, but I thought we worked really hard with the ball and also without the ball. So a very, very satisfying result. And that is now 10 points out of a possible 12, welcoming up against reigning champions Shamrock Rovers and Bowes. Does this performance exceed your expectations at the start of the season, or is it on par with it? Um, I suppose our expectations at the start of the season were to ensure that we improved significantly from where we were last year and our league position. We have a long way to go, we have a lot of work to still do, but it's a good start. But all it is is a start. Uh, four games. 10 points from it which is very satisfying but we've a long long way to go and we're going to have to come up levels again if we want to get in and and finish um, anywhere near where we want to finish which is higher than obviously last season but we've got good players prepared to work hard prepared to commit themselves on and off the pitch so as I said hopefully we can continue this yeah as you said a fantastic start how do you maintain these performances is it in training or where is it done I think the players set their own standards and demands on each other and that's something that we're trying to create in, in the sense of the players that have been here, the younger players and the, the guys that are coming to the club. We're trying to come in into an environment where it's a, a positive working environment but each day the players will challenge themselves to try and improve and ensure that the standards are high. So if we're getting buy-in, which we've, we've got from players to do that, and it's an infectious situation, you're getting young players coming into a, a positive environment, all the players seeing that there's a a very strong work ethic across the group and as I said it makes for hard working performances you won't win every week but you give yourself a good chance to do it if you have that mindset and thankfully today as I say it's only the start that's been very evident and how reassuring is it knowing that you have the quality on the bench to make a difference when they come on the pitch like Dara Burns did today it's brilliant when you have lads who are not playing in the start of 11 but they're you know their attitude is 100% spot on they're ready to come in and, and 
produced when needed, and Darius has done that in the last couple of weeks. He played against Bowes, he came on against Strahada, uh, set up a goal and done one tonight. But it's going to be a squad game. We haven't got a particularly big squad, and as the course of the season, um, we're going to need everybody to, to make a contribution. Um, as I say, players, their attitude when they're picked is being excellent. The players' attitude when they haven't been picked is also being excellent. So as I said, that, that orbit will. Cheers, thank you. This is the IFF TV podcast. Okay, on to Oriel Park now and Dundalk nil Bohemians won Georgie Kelly sorry, with a penalty on 13 minutes and uh, he comes back to haunt his former club. I think, you know, when Georgie Kelly originally left for Pats on loan, I always felt like if he was going to leave, he'd always come back to haunt Dundalk. And obviously this is what's, what's happened. But like, I'm going to whip up the, the table again there. I mean... Dundalk have played four games and have one point out of those four games and they're losing against teams that you'd never expect them to, to lose against last season. Um, you know, between Shane Keegan and, and Filippo Givignoli, uh, there's a lot of pressure mounting and, you know, a lot of people thought they were going to get sacked over the weekend. There was a lot of him and hon on Twitter, people saying that they were called in for emergency meetings and this and that. But uh, nothing seemed to really come of it other than, uh, I suppose, training. But I'm sure there was some sort of warning signs going off. I mean... It's crazy when you think of it. I know Dundalk, look, uh, so many times under Stephen Kenny, they had the rebuild and they done really, really well. But that was kind of over the stretch of the season and they probably will start coming good, but they do need to start coming good soon because the, the fans of Dundalk just aren't going to take it for this long. They're, they're used to success now at this rate, especially their younger fans and stuff like that. So they're going to be kind of putting the pressure on. As far as Bowes are concerned, I'm sure Bowes are absolutely delighted to, you know, they haven't started the season well. This was the perfect game for them to bounce back and try and kick on from here. So, you know, I think going into that game, either side we're thinking the first goal here is crucial because the heads will probably drop after that. And it seemed that was the case. Gary, were you surprised when you saw this result? Yeah, I mean, I was still a bit, a bit surprised by it. I mean, obviously, both teams had gone into the game without a win. And you're talking about second and third from last season, in then and our, our second against the FAI Cup holders, so it was a, a massive game. I, I probably keep expecting Dundalk to turn it around, um, and I, I think it is fair to say the the Dundalk fans are up up in arms at the moment, even more so. I was just talking about the Derry fans, but even more so the Dundalk fans, because it has been for the last probably eight years since Stephen Kenny took over. It's probably been more or less non-stop success, and it's it's incredible to see them playing the second bottom in in the table at the moment. And with the budget they have, the players they've signed, this is not going to be able to continue for for much longer. And uh, I know Jer saying it's a great chance for Pats to get a win in Oriel Park. I think if Pat's if you offered Stephen O'Donnell a draw in Oriel Park, he'd actually bite your hand off for that because it would still be a fantastic result for them. In fact, it's going to be even more difficult to be going there at the moment because the pressure that Filippo Giuseppe and Shane Keegan, whatever the management team is, are under, and the whole management team have got to be under pressure given the the results there. Um, they're one of only two clubs in the league without a win, and uh, on the flip side, it's a huge boost for, for Keith Long. I think if any manager in the league has overachieved in recent years, it's Keith Long and Bohemians because they were on a budget, they were part-time, 
and and they're they've been competing with full-time professional outfits with a far bigger budget and keith long loses his his best players every year and to, to do what he did two years ago was phenomenal to repeat it do even better last season was phenomenal and uh, he ha he is someone who has to be given time and that win i, I think has definitely bought him some time and i, I i'm sure he'll turn it around as an absolutely superb manager and uh, to keep doing what he's doing is is just incredible and uh, I think the Bose fans will probably have a lot, a lot more patience. Uh, I hope they do. Then the the Derry or Dundalk fans, they may feel um, that they've spent quite a bit of money and they would expect better results. But um, I think that that win certainly gives Bose some breathing space, and uh, I would expect them to go on a bit of a run now. I just think, you know, with Dundalk, and Jay, I'm going to come to you on this. Uh, do you think that, in a way, that they're lucky that fans aren't there? Or are they maybe missing fans? I'd probably agree with your, have to agree with your first option because despite the fact that they got into the Europa League group stages last season, won the Cup, I didn't kind of get the sense and feel from what I was kind of hearing echoes on social media. I know you can't always buy into it, that they were overly happy with Filippo. And, you know... I just find the situation very, very strange as well. I'm not overly mad on Shane Keegan as manager. I know he might, some of you think differently. I know he's done great to get Wexford up into the Premier Division, but like he brought Galway down. I just kind of feel that maybe this job is a little bit of a step kind of too far from whether, whatever his role is, whether he, he calls the main shots or not as the head coach or not, but probably are maybe slightly better off. Cause I just think, as you say, like they're so used to success over the last kind of couple of years and, They've almost nearly turned up every game just demanding and expecting a victory and a couple of goals. And the fact that's not happened, I think they'd be a little bit kind of re relentless. Now, as poor and all as they were Friday night, you know, they were a little bit unlucky. Like, there was a good free kick in the first half from Michael Duffy. Someone got on the end of it. I can't remember who headed it, but hit the crossbar. Question mark over Dan Cleary's foul and Rock Tierney. Was it inside or outside? I did think actually it was inside. And then definitely towards the end, I think they should have had a penalty. A good cross in from Dara Leahy. And, as when I look back on the replay this morning, it definitely hit Rob Cornwall's hand. Should have been a penalty later on. You'd fancy Pat Hoopen from 12 yards to slot that one home. And then they probably had the best chance to equalise midway through the second half. Go cross from McElhenney and Sam Stanton. You know, puts it any other way, it's in the back of the net, but he just hits it straight with James Talbot. He makes a comfortable save and gets it away. So, despite the fact that the performance wasn't great and things aren't quite going from the last kind of while, you just kind of feel the luck just isn't really on their side at the moment. Yeah, and I think with Dundalk, I think once they get a win, I think you'll start to see things click. I don't think it's, you know, panic stations, but people might be thinking, oh, well, if they get rid of Shane Keegan and Filippo and, and throw that all out the window and come in and get a new manager, we might get a new manager bounce. But I do think, as you said, it's from the game there, you know, they had their chances and another day they go in and they probably win the game. But such is when your luck is out, that just seems to be the way. Gary, have you had to add on that? Yeah, the only thing I will say is they have been a bit unlucky in that they spent a lot of money in the off-season. They signed some quality players. I mean, international players who are regular internationals, albeit with the Pharaohs and with Latvia, and Sonny Naspad is only just coming out of being locked up in the hotel for mandatory hotel quarantine, having played in Austria for the Pharaohs. So he's been missing. Sorry, he's also been suspended, actually. Sorry, so I mean, maybe he wouldn't have been available anyway. Uh they were missing their, their Latvian international for a couple of games because he was away in international player. duty. Yeah. So they have bought well, and, 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 but they've also spent a lot of money. And when you spend that kind of money, it comes with added pressure. 
and uh, so even though the players haven't been available they've also the, the the african international as well who was away in international duty in the last window who has again wasn't available so they've they've spent a lot of money they haven't had the players available for that money they, they were unfortunate they had to play away to shamrock rovers and, and they were unlucky to lose that game in fairness but now they're in a situation where there's four games in there's no win and there's a lot of pressure coming on the pats game and uh, i i agree with you i think they're probably lucky that the fans are not in the ground because when you've had this much success and fans get used to it it's uh it's very hard when things start going wrong and fans can get very vocal very quickly and i'm seeing it on social media so i'm sure it would be just as vocal if they were inside oriel park yeah well, i think you know both fans will obviously be delighted they get the first win and probably get them on a bit of a run now and uh i think dundalk will be targeting pats and as jerry said he he probably looking at them saying it's probably never been a better time to play them. but at the same time when their backs are against the wall, it could be a difficult time to play them mm-hmm. as well, Jay, you know? Yeah, I suppose we'd only, we'd only know come 8 o'clock Saturday even whether my point was right or not. But it is kind of one of them, because of the quality and because of their recent pedigree and history, you still are expecting that at some stage it's going to click for them. And one game eventually it's going to happen. I just hope it's not this Saturday and it's, it's the midweek game they have after that. It's, it's mad though, because you actually look at the squad, like some of the... the the OGs, you'd probably say in terms of Huben, Duffy, Shields, um, Boyle, McElhenney. Um, so they still have really top quality players in their team. So eventually it will click. Like it's, you, you can't have players like that and, and stay down near the bottom. It just, it just, it just can't happen. I think that they will start showing their quality very, very soon. And, um, as I say, I, I think they'll, they'll start to bounce back. I'm sure if it'll be against Pats because I've been impressed with Pats so far this season, but we'll have to wait and see on that one. And as far as Bowes are concerned, they'll be delighted. They've got their first win under their belt. And um, because they kind of threw a few games away, like the Finn Harps game, they kind of gifted the goal there against Finn Harps, and that was a bit of a shock result. And that kind of set the, the standard a little bit for them for, for the season. And then it was kind of kept on happening, shock results here and there. So they'll be happy to be bounced back. And obviously Dundalk... Uh, will not be happy, but they'll be looking to target this Pats game. And they'll probably think this game more than anything, they'll be up for it to show what they're about. And uh, if anything goes wrong in this game, I think um, it could be uh, a change of manager probably after this. If they go, what is it, five games without a win, I just don't think that the board and the fans will accept that. But time will tell. So we'll uh, we'll have to see what happens. Um, so on to the showgrounds then. And uh, Sligo Rovers won, Shamrock Rovers won. I actually watched this game and watched LOI. It uh, wasn't a great game at all, to be honest. Um wasn't, uh, you know, a host of chances or anything like that. Obviously, the goals, if, if Aguero gets a goal in the 83rd minute with a howler from Alamanis, which is something that you just you just don't see from him normally. I was at the game against Dundalk um, last week, and if it wasn't for him... Rovers would have lost that game and then he goes and does that I think Stephen Bradley said after the game that you know he saved him so many times that he's allowed one every every now and again and he could count on one hand the amount of mistakes that he's made for the club and that was one of them um, then obviously Rory Gaffney gets the goal later on it was given as a John Mahon own goal but I think that the way Rovers actually fought to get the equaliser it was very you know championship champion 
style, sorry. And um, they never gave up. They, like they were adamant they were going to score. Kind of reminded me of uh, Man United when they used to go go down a goal late on the game, and they'd be relentless till they got that goal, whether it was a, an equaliser or a winner. And uh, obviously Gaffney got that. Um, they went for it, but it, it, I would have said one one would have been a fair result. Although nil nil would have been a fair result as well. But it seemed as though when when actually Sligo scored the goal, then Rovers decided to start playing. From from what I was watching, anyway, Rovers fans might disagree with that, and that's fair enough. But um, I thought uh, Shamrock Rovers. I don't want to get into a spat between the Sligo and uh, and Shamrock Rovers uh, supporters, but. Uh, yeah, I just think it was it was a fairly even game overall, and it wasn't a, a it wasn't a spectacular game. It wasn't a great get advert for for the League of Ireland. I'm, I'm glad it wasn't televised because it was it wasn't a, a brilliant game. Two good sides, but it wasn't a great game. Gary, did you get a chance to watch this? Yeah, and uh, I think we need to give some credit to Sligo Rovers as well. I mean, they're still unbeaten. They're while they're sitting third in the table at the moment, um, two wins and, and two draws. And uh, yeah, it's probably a draw is probably a fair result, but I think Sligo will probably feel, having gone ahead so late, that they didn't manage to hold on and win. And I agree, Alan Manis, he saved Rover so many, Shamrock Rover so many times. He, he was the reason, as you said, they beat Dundalk, but it was it was a howler. But it happens to every keeper. Unfortunately, when you're a goalkeeper, your mistakes cost goals. Whereas if you're a striker and you miss an open goal, you, you always get another chance. Um, for Shamrock Rovers, they're not playing like the team of last season, uh, but it is an incredible sign of their character because that's the second time they've fallen behind late in the game and come back and, as you said, avoided defeat. Reminiscent of maybe Alex Ferguson's Man United, as you said, Paul, that they they just don't know when they're beaten. And that is a very good sign because they will, they will find form again. And... It, they're still favourites for the title in my book, even though if, if you look at the league table, that doesn't um, bear it out. But it is very, very early days to be taking mm. too much notice of the league. Well. They have a game in hand. And it's too, very early days to take too much notice of the league table at this stage. So um, great sign of their character. I'm sure Stephen Bradley would be delighted that they're they're still unbeaten. And the other big thing for Stephen Bradley is the the poor form, uh, the, the poor results that Dundalk and Bowes have got, who they would probably have seen as their main challengers at the start of the season. Chair, did you uh, did you watch this game, or what were your thoughts on the result anyway? Yeah, I was at uh, Bishop's Gate for Longford and Drott at the same oh, time, so I got to see the highlights from the package on RT Sport, and yeah, it pretty much echoed the views I'd have from what you see. It did seem like a very poor game. I think they only showed one chance each for both teams. In the first half and i agree with you paul that was the main thing that just uh, struck me even just you could pick up on from the highlights just the tempo and pick up from shamrock rovers after the equalizer i think they showed more action in the highlights clip after Sligo's goal than they did beforehand and that goal from water came in like the 80 something minute but just yeah they had a couple of good chances mandrew had a good long-range effort that mcginty had to save as well a lot of good play down the right as well sean gannon really kind of seemed to be to the fore put that great cross in for gaffney there's no two ways about it, it did take a heavy deflection off John Martin. But give Gaffney credit because he takes a couple of good touches, composes himself, still gets a good strike away. And obviously, just unfortunately for, for Martin, it ends up in the back of the net. It's probably a result I would have probably predicted um, beforehand. For Sligo kind of point of view, um, it probably would have been nice to take the lead kind of so late on and to kind of see how and it would have been a big statement win because I have a mate who's a Sligo Rovers fan and he's kind of given me a good bit of chip after 
Pats had started and saying, well, if you know we beat Shamrock Rovers, we have to consider it as, as main title contenders. And I think they would have been, but as you say, like from Shamrock Rovers, similar to the Pats game as well, instantly, like when they go a goal behind, they just switch on and it's like, right, you know, we're, we're not going to lose this game, we're still going to at least find a way. And like, I know there are a couple of points adrift, but they've got that game in hand against a Derry team that's out of form. Then they've got a Longford team at home on Saturday who've now gone out of form themselves. You would find to them to be taking maximum points this week and climbing back up that table. Obviously, then Sligo Rovers have a what should be a very, very tasty Northwest Derby against Finn Harps on Saturday. Yeah, well, I think I think um, Sligo fans are buzzing at the moment the way the, the way the team are playing, and uh, I think they're just taking it game by game. But you know, with Shamrock Rovers, as, as you said, there like literally as soon as they went down the goal, then they just were bombarding Sligo. But I was actually totally shocked when I seen that go in. I, I actually hadn't been that shocked in a long time because I just don't associate Alan Manis with, yeah. with making too many mistakes, making mistakes in general. He's very, very solid, very assured. And, you know, he, he seems to be over his backbone most of the time. I went back to the Dundalk game where last week he was saving everything on the crossbars and this and that and just keeping the ball out. So, look, I'm sure he'd be delighted that his teammates bailed him out in this case. But I spoke to Sligo Rovers fan and host of the EJ Menswear podcast, The Change Room, Mark Halton. You can hear what he had to say here. This is the IFF TV podcast. Mark Halton, a big Sligo Rovers fan. And uh, I'm going to get your thoughts on the game. Shamrock Rovers on Saturday night. Sligo Rovers won, Shamrock Rovers won. From the showgrounds, what were your thoughts on the game, and uh, we, did you think it was a fair reflection on the game? The final result score. Yeah, look, I, I enjoyed the game. I think uh, probably the, the opening, the opening of the first half. I wouldn't say scrappy will be a word to use. I thought the standard was very good. Uh, the ball was getting fairly pinged about. I'd say Shamrock Rovers probably started the better. Um, I think we came into it then as the game went on. I don't think there was much for for either team. Chance-wise, um, I thought from a Sligo Rovers point of view, again, John Mahan was brilliant. I thought Horgan was brilliant. Um, I was chatting to Mark Rosser this morning. I was just saying, if you ever wanted an example of why Sligo Rovers wanted to sign Greg Bulger this season, it was 90 minutes on display on Saturday. He was absolutely unreal. He was bossing them around. Um, thought he was brilliant. Again, we probably struggled a little bit up front, but I'd say they did as well. Um, in terms of the second half, again, much much of a muchness. There wasn't an awful lot of chances in the game. What I would say is that looking at last year, Paul, from when we played them in the semi-final in Tala, I remember coming away from that game and just being so disheartened. It, it was it was so it was so bad, I suppose, on the day. Uh, to how we played the other day, we matched them physically. Uh, I didn't think we were intimidated by them. I know they've lost a couple of good players, but the leap in quality from Saturday, from when we played them in the semi-final last year. Uh, was huge. Um, as for as for the goal, look, Adam Madison's going to make too many of them mistakes in his career, so you take them when you can get them. Would have taken a draw before the game against Shamrock Rovers? Probably. Um, when you're so close to getting three points against them, it's hard to take conceding a late goal. But look, we got lucky with our goal. Again, I think we, we were lucky the way we conceded with um, with John Mann. So I suppose all in all, it was I think it was definitely a fair result. I know um, one or two in the Shamrock Rovers camp have come out and said since that they don't think it was a fair result. I think most people have quashed that. I think 100% um, the point for both teams was fair on Saturday, Paul. Yeah, because I watched the game. I was watching it at home and uh, I was watching the game thinking 
both both sides just aren't really going for it. It was just fairly scrappy throughout. And then obviously when Figueroa scored the goal, which I was totally in shock about, um, it seemed only then that Shamrock Rovers got going and started playing. And then it was just a, a bit of a flurry towards the end. And then ultimately they got the goal. I was saying to the lads earlier, like it's kind of reminded me a little bit of, of uh, Manchester United under Ferguson in terms of the way they, they just were relentless until they got mm. their goal. But before that, there was no signs of that. But encouraging signs from a Sligo point of view that he's looked very much um, you know, on their level. Yeah, I don't think, look, I don't think you could actually criticise the attack too much of either team on Saturday, Paul. In fairness, give credit where it's due. Both defences were very, very good. I thought Sean Hoare was absolutely outstanding at the back for Shams. Uh, and I thought, likewise for ourselves, John Mann, John Mann was brilliant as well. I'm just laughing at you saying Shams, sorry. Yeah, so <laughs> you need to get used to that. <laughs> no, honest to God, look, it's easy to say both attacking teams were off the boil a little bit. Um, but no, I think both defences done very well. Hoare and John Mahan were absolutely, they were absolutely outstanding on the day. And as I said, I suppose Shamrock Rovers coming into the game, we thought that, you know, if you can stop Graham Burke and Danny Mandrew at the source, you're going to go a long, long way to, to getting the results. In fairness to Mandrew, I think the doubts about him that if he gets a kick, and he is marked out of the game. Is his work rate good enough for Shamrock Rovers to still get involved in the game? I think 100%. I think he was, in fairness to him. He didn't go missing. He dropped looking for the ball. So I think there's a big improvement in him probably in his attitude from um, from being with Bohemians last year. But overall, um, I wouldn't say delighted with a point when you're a couple of minutes from victory against Shams. You take them when you can get them, Paul. But uh, we'll take the point and we'll move on to the to the, the Northwest El Clasico next week against Harps. Just, just uh, I'm going to pull up the league table here. And obviously, yeah. you see uh, Sligo there are in third position on eight points. Uh, how how far are we talking about them making a title run or European run? What, what would you say? Very early days still? I would say it's still very early days, Paul. Looking at how we started last year, it's chalk and cheese. Um, I think if we can keep key players fit, um, we don't have a massive squad, but the squad we do have have a significant increase in quality to the last couple of years, Paul. I think you're looking at keeping keeping the keeper, keeping Mahan and Buckley, um, and I think keeping keeping Greg Bolger fit. I think if you can keep that core of the team fit, um, a league title challenge is going to be tough. I still think. I still think Dundalk, you know, they're they're well behind at the minute. They could put a string of performances together. For for what I'm saying about Shamrock Rovers, um, they're still going to be the team to beat Paul. By no by no means, I'm, I'm saying they're not. Uh, I think St. Pat's definitely Stevie O'Donnell has added an awful lot of steel to there. I think look, if we got Europe again this year, I think Europe and I think second, you know, first, second, third. I think a league title. I wouldn't like to come out here and say we're going to win the league. Um, you obviously you have to believe it. I think if we were in we were in the top three this year, uh, and a trip to the Aviva, I think most like Rover fans at this minute in time would bite your hand off for it. Um, I think you know after six seven weeks, it, you'll see a better shape of the league. Will Pat's be able to keep it up? One thing I will say about Sligo Rovers, Paul, is I actually don't think we've even hit form, and that's being honest with you. I think up front, uh, Romeo has had a couple of goals that maybe have have kind of taken away from maybe how he, he's not fully fit yet, basically. I think Ryan DeVries is off the mark at the minute. He's not fully fit yet. And they still have to kind of hit a bit of form. So I would say from the back four and the midfield, we've hit the ground running. I think in attack, we haven't hit the ground running yet. So in the, in terms of that, I'm still I'm still excited at what's yet to come. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's my views on it. 
Perfect. Well, listen, Mark, thanks for taking the time out to have a chat with us. I'm sure uh, you're busy enough there with all the clothes around you in the background there. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, actually, while you're there, any sales on on EJ Menswear that you want to tell anyone while they're listening? Yeah, look, we we always have a bit of a sale on at EJ Menswear. We're actually just after finishing our massive uh, our massive clear out sale for autumn winter. So, we're just going into spring summer now, getting all the content ready and photo shoots and all that. So. We have uh, lots like Tommy Hilfiger, Hugo Boss, Ralph Ren. Uh, it's flying in and it's flying out as fast, Paul. So if any of your listeners want to hop on and have a little look, we, we look after them. There's a bit of discount on the website now as well at the minute. So well worth heading over for a look. And you look better than me, even though I work here. I'm in the sports gear today. But uh, no, there's some absolutely quality gear on the website, Paul. Yeah, and just obviously yourself, you said you you done your uh, your own podcast this morning. So yeah. what was that on uh, and uh, where can people find it? Yeah, so you can find that. It'll be going up on Apple and Spotify. I'm hoping the next hour uh, it's on YouTube. It'll be going up on our Facebook page tonight. We have Mark Rossler on this morning. Mark's actually a Sligo native. A lot of people think he, he's actually lived away from Sligo for a long time. He would have been at Sunderland years ago, Paul. Um, you'd know Mark yourself. Um, he's a legend around Sligo. Follower of the page, yeah. Follower yeah, Foes Dundalk. Um, uh, Bo's legend. Uh, so I had Rossi on this morning and a good chat with him about all the weekend's action and a little chat to him about the, the All-Ireland League and stuff like that. So he's he's a great man. He's he's probably the only man from Sligo who talks more than me. So <laughs> it was great to get him on. All right. Well, if anyone's listening and want to go check it out, make sure you do. And uh, Mark, as always, thanks very much for, having, uh, for coming on. It's been a pleasure. My pleasure, Paul. Thanks very much. This is the IFF TV Podcast. Right, up to Bally Buffet and Finn Harps continued their great start to the season with a 2-1 win over Waterford. Adam Foley with the with a goal in the 41st minute. Obviously, John Martin had taken the lead at the 35th minute. And then David Webster with a late goal. He managed to squeeze it in to uh, give Finn Harps a victory. Um, although Kevin Sheedy didn't seem too happy about it after the game. Who would be? Gary, when you saw this result... I actually expected Finn Harps to win this game, but what were your thoughts on it when you when you saw the final score? Yeah, I mean it's uh, it's one of the, another test of Finn Harps's incredible start to the season, and I suppose they would have been favourites, but Waterford had made the long trip to the Brandywell a week earlier and and pulled off an incredible win, uh, which seemed to have turned around their poor start to the season, but Harps just find a way to win again and again it was last gasp from Dave Webster and it was one of those shots I think it was was it Ollie Horgan said after the game sometimes it just ends up in the rose but it, it just flew into the net um, he just caught it right when the, the corner just fell to him what about eight yards out and uh, what a way to win win a game and we were talking about fans what a shame there wasn't a, a full house of fans behind that goal because i can only imagine the reaction in finn park had they seen that one smash into the back of the net they just would have gone absolutely mental because of a brilliant support up there and rice there would be so many of them behind that goal sucking the ball in but um what a start for them uh 10 points out of 12 and away to Sligo in, in the top of the table, northwest West Derby at the weekend. Um, Waterford, I, I suppose if you look at it from a positive, they, they made two very long trips to the, the Brandywell and to Finn Park and came away with three points. But they'd be very disappointed. I'm sure Kevin Sheedy's very disappointed to lose a second away game in the last minute because they lost in Drogheda as well to a late, late own goal. And then to lose in Ballybuffet, 
to such a late goal again. I mean, there would have been a couple of extra points that would have come in very handy. But look, hats off to Finn Harps. Um, 10 points from four games. They they just keep shocking everybody. Yeah. Chair? Yeah, I wasn't overly surprised. It did cause a bit of a, a, a stir and kind of a gasp of reaction when we heard it come through uh, in Bishop's case that they got a 90th minute um, winner. I can see why Kevin Sheedy, just from watching back the goal, was frustrated because they don't deal with that corner at all. Like, don't get me wrong, it's a, it's a decent delivery from Barry McNamee, but the fact that like, Dave Webster then is left kind of on mark. I think even as well, for, for some reason, they don't seem to have reverse angles in it, watch out of way, but Finn Harp's YouTube channel or YouTube page or whatever um, had it. And it did seem to kind of beat Brian Murphy at the near post. And maybe he might ask one or two questions of the goalkeeper. Nothing, again, you could even maybe slightly question for the first goal. Don't get me wrong, it was a good team goal. Um, by Finn Harps with Mark Coyle and Barry McNamee heavily involved, and it's a, it's a powerful shot from Adam Foley, and he's in great form. But again, it seems to be kind of pretty much straight at uh, Brian Murphy, who's usually just such a solid goalkeeper as well. But just from kind of from Finn Harps' point of view, they're just carrying on that momentum from last season. They had such a great run last year. It looked certainty they're going to end up in that relegation playoff. Then they won three of their last four and avoid that altogether. And they've just kind of carried that momentum through. I've said it to a few people kind of jokingly, but it just seems to be a bit of a vibe of them, say, similar from that Leicester City team in the Premier League in England from 2015-16. Like, they pulled off a great escape to stay up uh, one season and carry that momentum next season. And we all know what happened. And just saying, putting it out there early, who is to say that this Finn Harp team <laughs> couldn't go on to do the uh, Leicester City equivalent in the League of Ireland 2020-21 um, 20, season? But very, very early days. But I think... Realistically, probably speaking, I would go with Gary's point that he made in the last show. This is probably the season where they establish themselves kind of comfortably mid-table slot in that releg- in the Premier Division and avoid a kind of relegation playoff. But I suppose you still hear the traditional Ali Horgan quotes of 10 points still won't be enough to keep us up in the Premier Division. I think, in fairness, I know you want to be critical of the goalkeeper there, but I thought it was a very good finish. If you actually look, I think there's a freeze frame of the the chance and or there's a picture of it and he's one kind of area to hit and he manages to hit it with his left foot as well so um it was a fairly good finish to be fair to him obviously if you're a waterford fan you'd be raging that that's gone in at that at that time as well because obviously a point would have been good to gather the momentum from last week so i think um i think finn harps would be buzzing i think uh they're just snapping that the pubs aren't open so the fans can enjoy that but uh i spoke with david webster and you can hear what you have to say here. This is the IFF TV podcast. Right, we're joined by David Webster, uh, Finn Harp's goal-scoring hero from the other day. N- not really known for your goals, more for defending them. But uh, you know, talk us through the game from the other night. Another big win. That's four games that he's played. He's a joint top now on ten points. Um, how are you feeling? Uh, how's it going, Paul? Um, yeah, we're, fe- we're feeling great. Um, Look, I think it was important on Saturday to uh, to dig out a result. We were kind of talking beforehand that it didn't really matter how we played, you know, just, just to, to get a result on the board and kind of keep it ticking over and uh, keep the run going. And that's exactly what we did. So, yeah, we're delighted with it. Yeah, see, so a lot of people are kind of tipping Waterford to be down around the relegation area. And obviously, most seasons, Finn Harps tend to be around there. So, how important do you think it is to kind of be beating teams? That I suppose in some ways would be in and around you. I know at the moment the, the league is a bit all over the place, but it's more in your favour at the minute. Yeah, no, of course. Um, look, they've got some good players there, Warford. Um, 
I know they, they got a good result up in Derry there the week before and I'm sure that they'll pick up points as the season goes on and they've got a very good manager obviously a, a legend of the game so I'm, I'm sure they'll they'll click sooner or later and uh, they get a few results but um, yeah I suppose maybe looking be before the season started especially those kind of teams and we probably thought we'd be in and around them so these games are very important so to pick up three points and at home as well and um, do want to make Finn Park, you know, a, a tough place to come and pick up points. So um, it's great to get another win then at home. Yeah, we had Ollie on the. Well, we had we spoke to Ollie after the game last week, and he was again. He, he's very much kind of downplaying the way the season's going. He's just like taking each game at a time. But from your own point of view, how sweet was that getting the the win and go? I know it's your old side, and you've got good relationships with them. But I mean, for from your own point of view, to get the goal that late on when it looked like it was going to be a draw. Yeah, sort of personally, it's, it's fantastic. Um, you know, we went ahead and dropped it the week before and um, kind of felt a bit of fault for the goal, kind of fell asleep for, for the, for the equaliser. So um, to get the winner then uh, the other day, it was, I suppose, a bit of redemption for myself. So it felt great. But uh, oh, look, it was, a, it was we deserved it. You know, we came out, out of the draw the game and we felt we didn't do enough to win the game. So the draw was probably a fair result. But, and then... Um, the other night especially I felt like we'd done enough so I think we got to just awards and um, yeah it was great it was a great feeling now Ollie says nine times out of ten they go into row Z is he right or did you did you just catch it really sweetly <laughs> depends who he's speaking about yeah he's speaking about me it's nine times out of ten definitely <laughs> <laughs> he can be goal scoring record but uh, <clears throat> no I think look as far as Ollie's Ollie you know he's um, He's getting asked some some crazy questions off of people in the media. I suppose uh, he's given the right answers. You know, it's only four games in. It's you know people are getting ahead of themselves, but that's all for them to do, and not for us. You know, I know it's cliche as it sounds that we're taking each game at a time, but we really are. We're just going out to enjoy ourselves and, and hopefully get three points, and, and that's just what it's doing at the minute. So it's it's going well. Yeah, lastly, I just think when I when I see us now, it just seems to be a case of you are just going out and enjoying every game. There's not really going out with any fear, you know. You have some really good players in your squad this season. It looks like you can match, you know, most teams that you have so far. Anyway, yeah, uh, we say before every game, you know, go out and enjoy yourself. I think maybe uh, things have been put into perspective over the last year or two, and you know, um, there might have been a time when we might have got a chance to play football again. So uh, we're adamant that you go out and play with a smile on their face and, and really enjoy it and I think um, it's kind of playing playing to our favour in the sense that we're getting results by doing it you know and we're playing some good football um, uh, at times in the in the right areas and at the right times we're playing uh, good football but you know it's going well at the minute and long may it continue Absolutely but David I can't thank you enough for coming on you're our go-to man for Finn Harp so thanks very much and uh, keep celebrating out to the next game that goal I'm sure you will yeah, well, yeah. No problem at all, Polly. Thanks, This is the IFF TV podcast. The Bishop's Gate and Longford Nil dropped a four goals coming from a double from Mark Doyle, Chris Lyons, and Hugh Douglas. Jer, I'm going to come to you on this because you were at the game, and I suppose give us just your your general reaction and how the game petered out. Yeah, kind of a classic case of how a goal can change a game because definitely for the first 25 minutes, Longford looked a better team. There's a couple of good long-range efforts from Dylan Grimes, who was kind of their main attacking threat. They seem to be kind of handling the, the draw of the attack kind of very, very well. The likes of 
uh, lines and Doyle weren't really getting much of a kind of a sniff. And then good play down the left, a good cross in by um, Connor Kane, the fullback leads to an almighty growth scan, but I think it was Lyons got a, a header away first. Lee Stacey's done very well to tip it onto the bar, but then I think between a combination of Dara Markey and eventually I think Doyle got the last touch to put it over the line. That just gave Drogheda that kind of confidence. They took that into the halftime break. They should have actually had another one just before halftime. Steve Stacey making a good one-on-one -on -one save. I think it was with Doyle as well. And then they get the good start to the second half. But just, we were kind of wondering when the, when the goal went in, like you'd be kind of asking questions. Don't get me wrong, it was a good cross in from James Brown. But the long for defence just seemed to be absolutely nowhere. Lee Stacey would kind of seem to be kind of caught in two minds, whether to come or to stay. And then eventually, Lions just kind of on the stretch manages to poke it into the net. And after that, game kind of just petered out all one way traffic. Longford's kind of heads just kind of dropped. Great cross in again from uh, Kane. Lovely header from um, Doyle for a second out jumping um, uh, Joe Manley. And then good free kick about just over 20 minutes left from Ronan Murray. And Hugh Douglas rose highest to put the ball into the back of the net. But, you know, they were very, very comfortable after the second goal draw. That was never in doubt. Longford, they might make one side case. There was a stage just after the draw, the second goal. They had a corner and it led to a bit of a scramble. And I think it was just about saved on the line. But other than that, they never really looked like getting back into the game. And probably could have been, it wouldn't have been unfair on draw that they actually even went on to add another goal or two. Very, very comfortable victory for them. Only some my concern, as we've been showing in a few moments in my post-match interview with Tim Clancy, was that injury picked up by Conor Kane because when they were struggling in that first half, there wasn't much coming down the right. He was the one player, along with the likes of maybe Markey and Murray down that left-hand side, that was kind of giving that a little bit of an attacking outlet. So they'd be hoping that his injury isn't too serious. Hmm. Gary, when you saw this, I suppose 4-0, a high-scoring game, I wasn't expecting it myself, but you know, what are your thoughts on yeah. the start to the season? Yeah, well, Drod had made a superb start, but in, in some ways it's not surprising. If you look at the the squad that Tim Clancy has assembled, he's got a lot of experienced, quality players. And I mean, you talk about the likes of Dane Massey and Hugh Douglas, and he got a goal, but very good defenders. Hugh Douglas has been probably an underrated defender for many years at Bray, etc. Um, you got the likes of Gary Deegan, superb player to have in midfield, Dara Markey, um, Ronan Murray. I mean, and then you've got the young striker, Mark Doyle, who I haven't seen too much about, but he got a, he grabbed a couple of goals. I mean, you're talking about the two promoted teams last season. And, OK, Longford probably surprised me and surprised a lot of people, maybe even themselves, by getting up through the playoffs. Drogheda were probably looking at being in the playoffs right until the end when they just uh, nipped ahead of Bray. And I'm sure survival is going to be the key thing. And if you look at this from a Drogheda perspective, they beat Waterford first time up. Now they've beaten Longford. Uh, they, they picked up another point as well. They have seven points already. And they're looking comfortable in mid-table, Having been, and drew with Finn Harps, actually. And if you want to say three teams, you might expect to be in the relegation zone, although, I mean, Gerard is talking about, but Finn Harps are maybe in the title race at this point. point. Maybe, who knows? Um but well, the league table they're, says they're, they are. So the league table certainly says they are, and their performances and their results says they are as well. So I, I better be careful what I say. So uh, hats off to Ollie Horgan and Finn Harps. But from a Drogheda perspective, it's been a superb start to have got those results, and they were only beaten in the last minute, I think, by Pats as well. So superb start for Drogheda, and picking up results against teams they would expect to be in a relegation battle with them. So that's got to be very heartening for them. 
uh, from a Longford perspective, it's got to be maybe a reality check and a bit of a bitter disappointment because they had made a great start as well by yeah. uh, beating Derry and getting the point at Dalymount. So a result like that is, is a bit of a body blow. And I think next up they're in Tala. I mean, that's going to be really tough for them. But uh, it's uh, the next couple of weeks will be interesting for Longford because they don't want to go on a run of defeats, which is always the fear from a newly promoted side. Yeah, well, I think between yourself and Jay, you've pretty much summed that up, and Jay gave a very good summary of the game. But uh, Jay, after the game, spoke with Mark Doyle and uh, manager Tim Clancy, who apparently is a big fan of the channel, but you can hear what they have to say here. This is the IFF TV podcast. First from his two goals tonight to help draw it to his 4-0 victory away to Longford. Mark Doyle joins us here on Irish Football Fan TV. Mark, your manager, Tim Clancy, was very, very impressed with that. I suppose you, you couldn't really ask for much more tonight. Yeah, no, it was a great result. Um, we've come here the last few years and we haven't been able to win. To win. Um, it's been disappointing. Um, in, the, in the first division, they've always seemed to get the better of us, especially down here. So it's good to get a, good to get a win against them. And uh, it's an important three points. Yeah, your two goals yourself, I suppose. Connor was heavily involved with both crosses coming in from the left. Obviously, the first one a bit of a goal-mouth scramble and after... A bit of misfortune for Chris, you had to get a tap in for yourself, but your second goal, you must be really, really pleased with that because it was a firm header to the back of the net. Yeah, I was delighted with that one. Um, I missed a sitter in the first half, so um, and I've missed a few big chances, to be honest, in the first few games. Um, and I have got chances in, in every game, really. Um, so it's good to, get, um, good, to get, good to get one tonight and, and last week as well. Strikers are greedy individuals. You're on two goals. How annoyed, frustrated were you when you seen your number come up to be taken off? About yeah, well, uh, just checking here about twenty odd minutes ago. Yeah, um, I understand that we're four 0 up, so um, some lads haven't played much, so um, it's good to get them minutes as well. Jamesy and uh, came on for me and Denny as well. Denny's done well, so um, they deserve minutes as well. You know, everyone's knocking on the door, so. Um, wasn't too annoyed. But I didn't know I actually had two goals. I think Darren Markey thinks that one first one's his, but um, I'll take it. You can discuss that in the bus back home. <laughs> exactly. Four games in, seven points. Your new team up in the Premier Division. You must be happy enough with that so far. It, it does seem to be a very open division, even looking at a couple of tonight's results. Like it doesn't really seem if anyone's pulling away so far. Yeah, and um, we're happy with that. We just kind of, I think when you come up, you just have to kind of take every game at, at it, as it comes, and uh, we always do our work on the opposition and. Uh, Tim and Kev, you know, you can trust them to set us up um, to try and get a result. And uh, yeah, we've, like, I think every, we've been in every game. Uh, we were very unlucky to lose the Pats. Um, if we don't concede there in the last minute, we've gone unbeaten there in our first four. So um, there's a big difference there. Um, which I think we'll learn from that Pats game. Um, Finn Harps last week on another day, maybe we nick a win. Um, but yeah, no, we, we are happy with that. So far, yeah, it's Derry away now next next Friday night. Derry always pride themselves on making the Brandywell a tough place to go and having a strong home record. So you'd be knowing you're going to be in for a tough game there. Yeah, definitely. Um, I know they haven't started well, but um, they're they're clearly a good team. You know, um, they're full time and they've got quality players and um, they're always tough and it's always tough to go up there. Um, we haven't played there obviously in a couple of years, but um, any time you go up there, you know you're in for a game and um, it's definitely going to be tough. Mark, thanks for your time tonight and safe travels home. No bother, thank you. Tim, you were just saying to me off there, it was nice to get a victory against Longford. They really have been your bogey team. It's your first one in six and to do it in style like that as well. Yeah, listen, I wouldn't say bogey team because Longford are a very good team, so we've no right to be getting results against uh, teams of uh, Longford's calibre. And 
Dara's an unbelievable job since he's gone in there and um, we have been on the wrong end of uh, the, the result a lot of times in the last couple of seasons. Um, performances have been there but I think the difference tonight was we took a few chances at critical points in the game and uh, that gave us a leg up to, to go on and win the game. Yeah, you kind of made a bit of a slow start, it's kind of fair enough to say, like didn't grind to the couple of good long range fighters that weren't kind of far away. So does it make it kind of even more depressive that you're on the way such comprehensive victories after it took you a while to kind of find your feet in the match? Yeah, I thought this and we gave away, probably too eager to close down, we gave away a lot of silly free kicks in around the box, we put pressure on us um, early in the game and um, again, dealing a few strikes from, from distance that were, were close. Um, but again, if we're restricting teams to shots from outside the box, um, if someone scores against it's going to be a great strike so we're quite happy with how it was going and, and then Doyle produces a bit of magic down here in the corner and uh, gets in, gets a, a shot away and the ball's deflected up and Chrissy and Dara um, scramble it back across and Doyle gets a tap in that just gave us the lead and gave us something to hang on to and um, just before half time we possibly could have got another one where at least Aces made a great save from Mark Doyle again and then the second goal coming so early in the, in the second half was, was a massive plus for us and Again, listen, we got another couple of goals later on, and, or later on in the half, but um, we know, listen, we're going to be on the, the wrong end of results like that this season, so it's nothing to get carried away with. Yeah, that partnership of uh, Mark Doyle and Chris Lyons, certainly from a neutral point of view, they were very exciting and entertaining to watch tonight. Yeah, but they've been playing together now for four seasons. This is their fourth season together, so they've an understanding there, and um, Doyle can give me playing midfield and play wide, either right or left, he can play up top, play off the front man. He's, he's very versatile, which gives us that option to flip things during games um, and again listen he's, he's a massive goal threat for us and himself and Chris work so hard together and then uh, we've got the, the luxury of bringing on Dinny Corcoran um, with the experience that Dinny has in the league as well to play up top and we have a couple of young lads in Brandon Birmingham and, and Jordan Adiemo as well that are extremely good young players that uh, give us options in the attacking end of the pitch so listen we're delighted uh, to get the win uh, first and foremost but the clean sheet as well was, was really pleasing. Yeah, we could be hearing the chance of a DAL for Doyle and Lyons maybe going forward. Just kind of one kind of worrying or kind of disappointment for you for tonight was the injury picked up by Conor Kane because he was fantastic tonight. Push his cross kind of really led to the first goal. He put a brilliant cross in again for Mark's second goal. I know it's very early; the game is just over. But any update? Uh, we're not too sure. He went down feeling his hamstring, which which is normally a good sign. But uh, I think he said he felt it when he was getting off the ground rather than when he was sprinting or decelerating. So. We're not sure. Listen, he's, he's got treatment from Dave there, and Dave looked after that. So we'll reassess it again then um, early next week. We'll see where he's at, but hopefully he'll be he'll be okay for next week. Tim, thanks for time this evening. Safe travels home. Brilliant, no problem. Same to yourself. We just want to take a quick break to speak about our sponsors for this video and podcast, Team Fipe. As you can see in the image, here, some of the clubs that Team Fipe has acquired, Shamrock Rovers being the main one so far. Team FeePay is an easy to use online payment platform that covers management and administration, finance, club development, communication, governance and COVID track and trace. Club administrators save hours of time with Team FeePay, save time on administration and finance. You can quickly confirm, decline and record attendance at club sessions and events. With a new database created, Parents and players register with the system which in turn creates and builds a player database for the club. Team groups can be easily set up for easy access to data. Real-time transaction updates. Team FIPE keeps club administrators or team managers updated on processed payments but also flags up incomplete transactions and automatically emails the payee to give notice of a future attempt. Team FIPE already works with over 1,000 leagues, clubs and academies and are growing all the time. 
Team FeePay is proud to be helping clubs across multiple sports. Team FeePay is free to use, it's free to install by all of their members. There are no hidden fees, there is no sign-up fee, no annual fee and no monthly membership fee. The processing fee, Team FeePay charge a very modest fee for any financial transaction that they process, similar to the bank or other credit card processor fees. Book your Zoom demo today at teamfeepay.com or call on plus three five three one five two six seven four nine nine. This is the IFF TV podcast. So on to Talker Park, uh, Shelburne won Wexford nil. Shell's first league win of the season. I was at this game and it was by I spoke about Sligo and uh, Shamrock Rovers being a dull game. This was. This was a very, very dull game. I'm not going to lie. It was like watching paint dry. This one, it was not a, a spectacular game. Shells obviously did what they needed to do to get the win, but Rex basically gave them the goal. But I mean, in terms of the game, Shells pretty much dominated possession, but there was no real clear core chances. There were some strikes from distance. Um, I think Jimmy Corker maybe made a couple of saves here and there, but nothing ma- major of note, um, especially in the first half. And then going into the second half, you're thinking, well, if, you know, Wexford have done well to stay nil-nil here. And, you know, you'd be wary that they may nick a goal here as well. So there was always that kind of that, that kind of feel about it. But it's just both teams, they just, from an attacking sense, they just never really got going. And it was all possession and, and trying to create chances, but nothing was really happening. And, yeah, it was just, look, Shells would be, would be delighted just to get the win and obviously got it from... A Kev O'Connor corner, and whatever way one of the Wexford defenders it comes, it looked like it came off the back of his head, and then it was put in then by Connor Crowley. At the, he was trying to head it away, and he was on the line, and he managed to knock it in, and that, that was one nil. And I think, you know, obviously we know I'm Michelle's fan. I think we were lucky to get to get that goal, very lucky. Um, and if that goal hadn't came, you'd be wondering where the goal was going to come from, which is frustrating to say because there's obviously a lot of new signs and waiting for a lot of the new signs to kind of come come good and not that they've been bad because I thought Michael O'Connor was brilliant from a centre from a centre forwards perspective the way he was taking the ball in and he was just holding off players and just laying it off he was brilliant for for being say an outlet for for the rest of his teammates because it allowed Chelsea to get up the pitch or he was able to take it in and get people get people up in support and I think once maybe him and Yo-Yo Madi get a goal I think they'll start raining goals then I mean, because defensively look very good, and you know even down the right hand side with J.R. Wilson, he looked quite good as well. You know, lively, pacey, and looks like he'd take on anyone one on one. So there are good players there, but it is a a very new team. Even the goalkeeper Brian Clark as well. Um, it's a very new team, and I think they'll take a while to click. In terms of Wexford, I think look, they would have been trying to nick something. But I don't think that they, well, obviously the way the goal was scored, they'd be disappointed. But I don't think they'd be coming away from there going, expecting to win anyway. But when you saw 1-0, were you expecting more or were you expecting less, Gary? Well, I was expecting more from Shells, really, Paul. Um, they have one of the biggest budget. I, I, I take your point about waiting for the team to click. And uh, I, I did watch on LOI TV the, the, the Galway Shells game on the opening night. I was very impressed with Shells. And it, even particularly with 10 men, they could well have won the game, hitting the woodwork and everything. And you have to say, Shells and Galway have got to be the two favourites for 
promotion for and and battle, probably in the end battling it out for automatic promotion. And uh, but Wexford, Wexford have I know they've lost their three games, but they haven't been that bad. Probably a little bit unfortunate to lose to Treaty United. Um, and they do have in, in Jack Doherty a, a quality player who maybe could well even play at a higher level. And uh, so, having said that, I still expect the Chelsea to, to win a little bit more comfortably than that. But it's still the three points. And those kind of one nil wins that you eke out, maybe when you're not playing as well as you should be, they are the kind of results that win titles or earn promotion. So it's it's important to get the three points when you're not at your best. Yeah, Jer, what, what were your feelings when you saw it? I, I doubt you were surprised, were you? No, I'm not surprised that Chelsea obviously won the game, but the scoreline, I, I think I would have expected this to be a two or three goal victory. Like I've seen them the previous week against Bray, and while that was a top two turby game, they still had strong moments. They scored three goals in that match, and you think that like, Wexford, who hadn't uh, picked up a point yet, you would have kind of fancied them to to win this game comfortably. But just from listening to your updates on the match on, on the socials Friday night and reading the extra time report, it didn't kind of seem the most lively as the games all right so far uh, so far this season. Wexford did have seemed to cause a bit of a threat through um, Paul Fox. He had a couple of chances for them. By all accounts, extra time as well. We're saying JJ Looney and Ryan Brennan were probably Shell's best players in the first half and. They had a couple of chances maybe in the second half to add a second one, but just didn't fall of them. I think just to get that win is probably the most important kind of thing for uh, for, for Shelburne after two draws. And two tricky games, though, against Galway and Bray. Two teams I think are definitely going to be all up for there. But they've got that monkey off their back now, I suppose. Just probably the only thing, is, as you touched on, like new signs like some Michael O'Connor, uh, Yolo Mandy. They haven't scored yet. I, I kind of agree with you. It's one of them as well because they've got plenty of experience and they are... You know, two players that were talked up as good prospects a couple of years ago. You find if one can kind of eventually come for them, that like you know, they'll probably take off as well. I think Glenn McCauley only has one game left to serve in his suspension. You know, he's a former Liverpool U team player, so there shouldn't be any shortage of goals certainly for Shelburne going forward. Yeah, and Luke Luke Byrne will be back as well. I think he he'd be a massive addition to the side as well. I think he's been a big loss because of suspensions and stuff like that. I think the suspension is still carrying on from the playoff game against Longford so um, he was saying that at the game on, on Friday that he'll be back so I think yeah as you said I think it was more important for Shells to just get the win more than you know how they got the win it was just get that win clean sheet and move on on to the next game big game against Cork this week and um, I spoke with Michael O'Connor after the game you can hear what he had to say here this is the IFF TV podcast we're here to talk park a freezing after the result a 1-0 win first win in uh, Shelburne jersey for yourself talk me through the game yeah look uh, we needed it, uh, the win you know uh, I thought we were unlucky last week you know a few silly mistakes but uh, tonight I thought we were good um, you know we again management was better towards the end and stuff we went 90 mile an hour um, we needed that win going to Cork next week which is massive um, so hopefully that's the start of a, a good run there for us yeah did you think obviously with the last couple of games there was the early sending off in, in, in Galway and then it was kind of back to the wall not getting the result last week but scoring goals but yeah. then tonight do you think it's just getting the first win under the belt now yeah under the belt obviously the first one got Glenn sent off and then we actually probably should have won the game you know we, we had the better chances uh, Galway couldn't break us down but then you know we're only new as well and we're still trying to click but look we're not losing games that's the main thing we haven't lost uh, we've got a first win at home and the main aim is not to lose at home like you know so hopefully we can kick off from here 
Yeah, well, I think that's the thing. I think a lot of people are getting carried away with it. a lot of qualities being brought in, but obviously it's going to take time for, for these players to click. I know yourself and Yo-Yo Front, for example, are two players who probably haven't played together before this year, you know, and just yeah, trying I'm, to get. I'm used to playing up front on my own, like, you know, and obviously I've never played with Yo-Yo before, and Yo-Yo's top goal scoring the league last year, you know, and he's a joy to play with, um, like everyone else on the pitch. But we have a great squad, and I've no doubt, like, when it clicks, it's going to be, you know, powerful. Like. Yeah, you seem to be the linchpin of the team anyway. Everything seems to be coming through you. I, I saw some great centre forward play from yourself, you know, just taking the ball in and just laying it off simple for a lot. I see the players are delighted playing with you because you take a lot of pressure off them. Yeah, you know, it's my strengths, like, you know, and if I'm helping the team, I'm delighted doing that, you know. Um, it's, it's all I can do from there. Like, if I'm in front of them boys, you know, just hit me and I'll help you, like, you know, uh, as much as possible. There's no need to start mixing things up if it's working, keep doing it. Yeah, you know, obviously next for yourself is just to get that goal, get yourself off the mark and hopefully have a good season then. Yeah, I've hit the crossbar and then, you know, in my own head I thought I've played well in the last couple of games, you know, so hopefully the next one to just get a goal and get off the mark. Absolutely, well thanks for your time Michael, thanks enjoy your involved. weekend. Thank you. This is the IFF TV Podcast. Right on to the markets field, Gary, you'll have to talk me through this game, obviously 1-1. Sean McSweeney with the goal and then Daryl Walsh with the equaliser and there was a red card in there in between that as well on the 33rd minute uh, Charlie Fleming with the red card. Do you want to talk us through the game because you were obviously at it? Yeah, it was uh, really enjoyable and a great game, plenty of incident. Another one is a shame there wasn't fans at it but uh, might have been uh, a bit controversial, might have been some issues if there was uh, fans at the game. And uh, a real topsy-turvy one. Uh, probably in the end, I, I felt a draw was a fair result. Although both managers would probably feel and, and did feel that they, they deserved to win it. Uh, Treaty definitely on top in the opening half an hour. Uh, deservedly led, led through Sean McSweeney. And the game probably turned considerably on that incident in the 33rd minute. Uh, Charlie Fleming went down in the box. Now, from my angle in the main stand, it looked like he went down a little bit too easily. I believe if you watch it back in LOI TV or people I was speaking to from the camera on the other side, it did look like a penalty. And anyway, the referee had decided he dived and had the yellow card already out of his pocket and running towards him. And before he could get there, there was a little bit of an altercation between Charlie Fleming and Darrell Walsh. And uh, he did appear to move his head towards uh, Darrell Walsh. Well, he did. I mean, and uh, the referee put the yellow card back in his pocket and issued a straight red. And you, you, basically, he had no option when the player leads with his head. I think there's no option on that. Um, desperately disappointing from a treaty perspective because it's the third game in a row that we've had a player sent off. And uh, I don't think the, the other decisions... Uh, cost any points and that it was already nil-nil in Bray and played the last half an hour with 10 men and I think a point in Bray was a superb result anyway and even though they played the last half an hour against Wexford with 10 men still held on to win 2-1 uh, this time playing with 10 men for an hour was just uh, too much to expect and Cove were a different team after the, the red card and they, they more or less took control of the game uh, Treaty will push back, and now Treaty yet do defend very well. Tommy Barrett has the team very well organised, and uh, they have a fine goalkeeper in Ty Grine. Uh, the the equaliser came five minutes into the second half, and uh, ball was played into the box and was cleared, and there appeared to be a foul on, on Ty Grine. He certainly went down, 
But uh, Daryl Walsh met it superbly with a volley. And uh, Stuart Ashton actually described it to me afterwards as the goal of the season. And it may well be considered that, but it was certainly a superb goal and one of the contenders anyway. And it just flew into the net. And at that point, you're thinking 1-1, they've uh, 40 minutes left against 10 men. And you'd expect Cove maybe to go on and win the game. And I think, in fairness, that's probably what Stuart Ashton would have expected as well. And Cove did dominate a lot of the remainder of the game, but the best chance actually fell to Treaty uh, when Ed McCarthy was around the goalkeeper and had to put the ball into an empty net, and he just seemed to take too long. And that man, Daryl Walsh, who was involved in just about everything in the game, he managed to get back and make an incredible goal line clearance to save a certain goal that probably would have won the game, maybe a little bit undeservedly for the 10 men. So from a, a treaty perspective, I, I, I was very happy with the point. It's, it's a third game, remain unbeaten. It's a great start to the season. Uh, from a Cove perspective, I think Stuart Ashton would probably be delighted to get on the board, a point away from home, having been a goal down, but maybe feel it was a chance to, to get three points as well, given that they were up against 10 men for an hour. Yeah, I think you've pretty much summed uh, everything up there. Do you have anything to add on Gary's points? No, I think Gary has pretty much covered it all there. Just more so a question for Gary. The, the red card situation, discipline, major problems so far for Treaty. Three games in and they haven't seen out with a full 11. How frustrating and, and annoying as a fan and concerning is that for you? Because I know, fair enough, you said you don't kind of expect Treaty to challenge that much this season. In the other two games, it didn't make any difference outcome the result. But this definitely would have been a game that you would have been targeting as a win beforehand. And that probably sending off a charity Fleming probably did cost you getting two extra points. Yeah, I think I think if Charlie Fleming didn't get sent off, if he kept 11 men on the field, you would have expected Treaty to go on and win the game. Certainly they were the dominant team for the first half an hour. It has to be a concern. Now, in the first two games, I think there were only like four or five yellow cards in total. But unfortunately, the same player, Sean McSweeney and Bray and Clyde O'Connell in uh, home to Wexford, picked up the, the two of them. And... Uh, so discipline has got to be a concern. I'm sure it's something to work on. I mean, Treaty travelled to him in DC Park on Friday night to play Galway, and you just there is no way they're going to get a result in Galway with ten men. Uh, it's going to be very difficult with eleven. So you just have to keep everybody on the field, and it is a matter, particularly a player who's going to be on a yellow card, just to keep keep a bit of a cool head or something like that. I don't know. It has to be a concern, though, because it's not just playing the games without the players. It's also the suspensions. I imagine Charlie Fleming is going to get a two or three game ban now, whereas uh, Sean McSweeney and Clyde O'Connell would have got one game each for the, the double yellows. Well, that's the game. Obviously, Gary spoke with manager of both sides, Tommy Barrett and Stuart Ash. Do you clear what they have to say here? This is the IFF TV podcast. Tommy, just need to get your thoughts on the game. Uh, probably a decent point considering you're 10 men for an hour. No, I'm disappointed with the point, uh, Gary. I think we should have had three, even with 10 men. I thought, this you know, the best is the IFF TV um, podcast. Look, I'll probably be happy with it tomorrow, but overall the feeling is now that we should have three. Um, talk me through the first half an hour, you seem to be totally on top, went to goal up with Sean McSweeney, did the the penalty decision and then the red card, did that change everything? 
Yeah, look, the decision by the ref was probably right. It was, you know, Charlie did look like he, he went down a bit too easy for me um, and it was booking. And then he goes head to head with your man, which is a sending off. You can't do it. Yeah, their defender hit the deck. He should have been booked for simulation, um, in my view. But Charlie shouldn't have shouldn't have uh, went forward with his head, um, which he did. Um, and it's unacceptable. It's a lack of discipline. Um, I didn't think they were putting us under too much pressure. I thought they, their their free kick into the box for the goal. I thought like uh, nine times out of ten the, the ref gives a, a free out when the keeper was impeded. But it was a really good finish by Darrell Walsh. Um, so you know we can't take that away from him. But the lads dug in, and I thought again we had probably the best chances. You know, a couple of good chances, and maybe we should have got a penalty up the other end. Um, Mark Dodden being taken out, but yeah, sometimes they go with you, sometimes they don't. But overall, three games played, still unbeaten. You got to be delighted with the start so far. Yeah, we're happy with it. You know, we're happy with the lads' work rate and effort, and um, you know, we still need to improve in a ball retention and the tougher games ahead. But um, you know, probably tonight's the most I've been uh, disappointed because the effort the lads have put in. I felt we should have got the three points. Um, but look, as I said, tomorrow we might be happy with the one. That's great. Thanks, Tom. Thanks. Stuart, can I get your thoughts on the game? Yeah, obviously it was a um, hard-fought game, you know, uh, competitive game from both sides. Um, obviously, you know, we had the early chance. We, we could have been up after a few minutes. Uh, we missed that chance. Um, and then, obviously, they've, they've gone ahead. Um, and then second half, obviously, a dismissal, you know, for them down to 10 men. We had all the play, but if we're being honest, we didn't use the extra man. And um, they could have punished us, if we're being honest. Uh, so from our point of view, it was sloppy. We didn't use the extra man. Having said that, we've had one or two chances as well, which we should have stuck away. But away from home, you came from behind. So is it a bit of a curate's egg? I mean, it's a good point, or is it, do you feel you could have won it with the ten, against 10 men? Yeah, it's you know it's it's a good point away from home. You know you're taking something away with you, but against the ten men, you've you've got to be saying if we if we'd done it better, a um, bit more, uh, bit more drive with our passing, etc. Uh, I think we could have taken something from the game. And what about Darrell Walsh's goal? Were you impressed by that? It's a great goal finish. of the season. Yeah, <laughs> you know you can't strike a sweeter ball than that. And you know he's, he's got that in his locker. It's a great left foot on him. And you know he's been unlucky in the last few games. He's had some screamers that have gone whistling past the post, and he deserved that tonight, like yeah. And a great clearance near the end as well that saved the point. Unbelievable. How we got back to that one, I don't know. I think they were celebrating before it went in. He's done fantastic there. Yeah. That's great. Thanks. Thanks, Joe. This is the IFF TV podcast. Okay, on to Turner's Cross. Cork City nil. Athlone Town 1 and James Duna with the goal for Athlone. He actually went a sign that went under the radar for me. I didn't know he was actually at Athlone, but uh, obviously a very good player. And I suppose he was at Rovers and Pats before. And I suppose everyone's been always wanting him to kick on and seeing him do well and he just kind of hasn't really kicked on at all um maybe this will be the making of him now but uh, a big win for Atlone and it actually puts them top of the table with three games played and seven points so um when you saw this Gary was it a shock that the Cork have lost this game for you and um how impressed have you been with Atlone so far 
Well, it was a mild surprise. I, I'll put it like that. Um, at loan, at loan have shocked me this season. But then, when you look at their lineup and you look at some of the players they've signed, maybe I shouldn't be as surprised as I am because they've got some experienced. Premier Division players, like, like James Doon, as you mentioned, I mean, he's effectively a Premier Division player uh, at a good age, plenty of experience, Curtis Byrne as well, Michael Schlingerman in goal. So, at loan... Adam Wickstead as well. Adam Wickstead as well. Um, and I actually, um, I, I saw them uh, pre-season against Treaty United, even though they, they lost. They, they, they were very impressive in the, the second half of that game. And so... The, the, the results probably shouldn't have come as a big a surprise for me because they have started incredibly well. They got a very good point at UCD, probably winning until near the end. They were caught at the end. But the big shock, of course, was the win over Galway and to be three up so quickly in that game. And then to go down to Turner's Cross and beat Cork. So that's hugely impressive by a team that we've been used to seeing at the bottom of the first division for the last couple of years, albeit they got to the FAI Cup semi-final last season. But they have... They have signed well, and uh, I'm sure the Athlone Town fans are absolutely delighted. A Cork perspective, it's incredibly worrying. I mean, Cork made a good enough start. It looked at the beat Cove in the opening day in the, the, the Cork derby or the Munster derby. But very, very disappointing defeat by Cavan Teeley. And then to lose at home to Athlone. It, it has to be worrying times for Cork because... I think their fans are hoping and expecting that they'd bounce back straight away into the Premier Division, and it's not going to be that easy for them. And particularly when you've got the... There's a lot of good sides in the First Division this season, and it's it's going to be very difficult for them. And uh, 2-1-0 defeats, and Shelburne coming down to Turner's Cross is suddenly looking like a massive, massive game for, for both clubs. Jerry, at loan, surprise package for you so far this season, and what have you made of Cork's start? Not overly, like as, as Gary touched on there, like their signings during this off season have been fantastic. Probably outside of Shelburne, you could argue that they strengthened the best, and Gary touched on it there as well. Like there's players with Premier Division experience as well, and very similar as well. To, we talk about like what Pats were getting the Dundalk players in that winning mentality. Just even looking down through their team the other night, they lined up the players who've know what it takes to get out of this division. Aidan Freed has done with Finn Harps and, of course, Shelburne a couple of years ago. Derek Daly was part of the Waterford team that came up. And even just looking at the substitute bench, like Shane Barnes when he came on as a sub, and he was scoring goals quite regularly in this division for Cabin TV last season. So it is a very, very strong enough team. Like There's no two ways about it. They're definitely a side I expected to be challenging the playoffs this season. Did I think they'd take seven points in the first three match? matches? Probably not. I thought they might take three or four points, but... It's been a fantastic result and it's some turnaround because their last game, the time they went to Turner's Cross, Cork bet them 7-0 back in 2017. And that's when Cork were on the cusp to win the league. So just shows you the, that really just in sums up the fall from grace for Cork. And we talk about clients like Dundalk and Derry City having managers under pressure in the Premier Division. I'm not sure, 100% sure who is the Cork City manager. I'm sure one of you will let me know now. Or... Colin Healy, Colin, isn't it? Colin, yeah. Colin, Colin, so, yeah, so he's the seen out the reins for the end of last season like she must surely be under pressure and that Shelburne game for me now has to become a must win for them because you look at their first three fixtures and you would have think Athlone and Cove and Cabin TV in fact all three teams have finished outside the playoffs last year that you would have fancied them to at least take six or seven points but it's been a very very disappointing season for them so far and by all accounts from what I've heard from this game apart from Dylan McGlade as well they didn't really seem to offer much in this game they never looked like getting an equaliser as well when Curtis Byrne got that goal with 13 minutes to go 
very, very disappointing. We, we thought they hit rock bottom when they got relegated last season. It's clear that that wasn't rock bottom. There could be worse to come yet for the for the Leesiders. Yeah, I think with you know with that loan, I think I've been impressed with them so far this season. And Cork, yeah, as you say, it's going to be a massive game between Cork and, and Shells. There's obviously a massive rivalry there as well. If they can beat Shells, all will be forgiven. But if they get beat by, by Shells again, I think it could be under massive pressure as well. Um, but just the last of the games that were played, uh, we had UCD and Bray, which was uh, nil-nil. For me, you know, I didn't get a chance to see this game. I imagine there wasn't that many highlights. I know Paul Tierney was at the game and he caught up with both managers after the game. But from both of your perspectives, you know, nil-nil, you weren't expecting much. They're quite similar, I think, in terms of Bray are probably a little bit more of a favourite, but I think they're quite similar in the way they are. What would you say, Gary? Yeah, it's um, Brayer a bit of a, a strange one for me. I mean, they, they drew nil-nil in the opening day against Treaty. Probably felt they did enough uh, to win the game, but but frankly didn't. And then involved in a 3-3 draw with Shells, which sounded like an incredible game. And then back nil-nil to UCD. I mean, to me, Bray and UCD, Bray probably I would expect maybe a little bit better but there are probably two teams that will be there or thereabouts when it comes to the playoff places. Uh, Bray will probably feel a little bit unfortunate not to have gone up automatically last season and then a bit unfortunate in the playoffs. So, But if the, you're looking at the, the money spent at teams like Shelburne and Galway, the squads they've assembled, it'll be tough for Bray to compete with them. But I would expect, expect Bray to certainly be in the playoff positions. Uh, UCD... They they lost guys like Yo Yamadi, who's a massive loss, but they did keep on to Colin Whelan. So they will again be one of those teams you'd expect to be there or thereabout in the there or thereabouts in the playoff positions. Without I, I don't expect UCD to get promotion, but they they always do seem to find some players. So um maybe the draw wasn't that big a, a surprise, but Bray drawing nil nil three three, then nil nil again. Um I don't know, it's it seems a bit strange to me. Yeah, Jer, just finally, lastly on you, um, what are your kind of thoughts on this game? Yeah, it's from one scale to the other, either it's exciting or it's dull. Yeah, just to chat to Paul Cheney about this game as well, and just from the report, the draw was a fair result. I think both teams were fairly even on the night. The two teams as well, we talk about similar in terms of positions, or two teams as well, similar in terms of style. They try and both play football, and that was the case on Friday night, just unfortunately, attacking quality kind of let both teams down. I don't think either team done enough to really win that game on on Friday, just like you know about like with UCD using uh, Yo-Yo Mandy and keeping hold of the likes of Colin Whelan, but even as well, you still look down through their team, the likes of Paul Doyle, Liam Corrigan, uh, Jack Keeney, all these players were very strong in, in this division last year. Sean Brennan has experience playing across the water as well, um, I think, albeit mainly at youth level, but it's still a pretty strong, decent team. And I know from chatting to one of their own players as well, Adam Lennon, who, like myself, is a fellow Roscommon man, the ambition for them this season is they want to win that division. They're, they're going all out for like so. They will be reasonably happy enough, I think, so far this season. Probably more so than Bray, who I think would have expected to at least have a win by now. But not, I think they've at loan now next. So that's going to be a very, very interesting game because you probably would have felt at the start of the season that would have been a banker three points for Bray. Not anymore after the Midlanders starts the season. Yeah, well, obviously, Paul Tierney caught up with uh, both managers. He caught up with Gary Crown and he caught up with Andy Moore. And you can hear what they had to say. This is the IFF TV podcast. 
Um, we'll take the positives out tonight's result, all right. You know, when we look back on the on, on, on the three games, it's probably, and as we can see, three are unbeaten as well. So it mightn't have been a bad, uh, a bad result. But that was one we were disappointed we didn't pick up three points at home at the first game of the season. Um, but the two two results since, you know, on paper they're not bad results. But you know, if we want to add a couple of wins. It's a nice game on its own, you know, I think it drops a fair result. Yeah, and is it a bit of a worry that two of your three games have been goalless? I know you got three against Shells last week, but is it a bit of a worry maybe? Yeah, we made up for against Shells. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, look, I mean, the 3D game and this game, we've started the game without out and out centre forwards. That's just mm-hmm. the way sometimes, it, you know, it doesn't rain, it pours. And, you know, the three lads, Dara, Joe, and, and I know Joe came on, but he's carrying. And, and, and Gary obviously went off early against Shells there. Just not right, not 100% fit with uh, their respective injuries. Um, Darius is, is a knee job. So it sort of changed what way you have to do a few things. And obviously, you know, you're expecting your centre forwards to score goals as well. And we didn't have three of them on the pitch. But we have other players around that can score. I, I just feel the game tonight went in a way where obviously we looked at to nullify their threats. I thought we'd done it overall quite well. And I'd imagine, I haven't spoken to Andy uh, about that, but I imagine he'd done the same against us because we scored three. Three, um, three really good goals last week as well away to, away to Shell so, and I think that came through in the game today that you know both both defences are really good and, and they sort of cancelled out the attacks uh, overall like, you know um, without look, I haven't looked back at the game now but that's 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 my initial reaction to it Yeah and at loan up next they've got 7 points out of 9 what's, what's your thoughts yeah, on that? Yeah that's so be it it's early doors it's like I keep saying the players it's 27 games we win the league over um, the first year I took over we won 3-0-3 no goals conceded and we finished 5th like, you know I, would, I wouldn't read too much into that like, you know, but yeah at loan are on a good run obviously I'd be, Delighted to have seven points, they have two wins under the belt. But we have to go to our business next week to prepare for it. And um, I think you look at all the results and they're quite tight. Yeah. You know, I think there's a kick of a ball. I'm sure uh, Arab's results could have went either way in the end today. Kick of a ball, and but looking at the at the um, opposition or the other four games, they were quite tight as well. So I don't think there's going to be a hell of, hell of a lot in it until it opens up now, probably mid season. Yeah, that's great, Gary. Thanks right, very Paul, much, yeah. Andy. What's your thoughts? Yeah, really tough, hard fought game. Um, between two decent sides I thought tonight um, I suppose we ha- definitely happy enough with the defensive uh, side of our game tonight uh, probably just missing at times the, that final ball to unlock it uh, maybe should have had a penal could have had a penal um, so happy with, happy enough overall with the with the performance um, another clean sheet two in a row so that's something we've been looking to do this year so um, happy with that so overall listen Draws a fair result in the game, I think. Um, on another night, like I say, it goes your way and you might nick it, but that's what it would be. It'd be just nicking it. Yeah, and good performances from, in particular, Sean Brennan and Jack Keeney out of position as well. Yeah, uh, well, that is Jack's position. So, oh, is so it that, actually? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, he's, uh, that's, um, he's done really well for us, Jack. Uh, there, we're playing with, uh, with the tree in the back uh, this year. Sean has been absolutely fantastic since he's come in from Rovers. Fantastic attitude, really good player, really good quality. Um, I think Sean over the last couple of games just what a good player he is um, and the reason why he was across the water in the first place as well mm-hmm. so um, delighted uh, with Sean so lad, listen I don't want to single lads out around like that because to be honest be quite happy again with the 11 exactly the same as last week really happy with how their attitude is the performance level so delighted overall yeah and finally next week Kevin Teeley up here again obviously depending on what's happening with the yeah, situation yeah. there yeah. what's your thoughts on that one yeah like Cabo again started this the season really well we have to take it from this point of view that there will be we'll be playing next week mm-hmm. um, so we, we'll see what happens during the week but um, it's, like, it's a local derby for, for, uh, for here so 
we'd expect a really tough game as it always is against Cabinteely. Um they've started the season really well, they've got some good players, so again we'll just prepare as best we can. We look to be as tight as we can defensively again, like we were tonight, and we'll see where that takes us. Great Andy. Thanks very much. Thanks, Pop. This is the IFF TV podcast. And lastly, obviously, a game that was called off due to COVID. Um, you know, it was only called off a couple of hours before kickoff. Uh, but uh, the FAI put out a statement saying, following discussions with the HSE around a positive COVID nineteen taste uh, COVID nineteen case at the club, Cabinteely have informed the League of Ireland that they are unable to field the team for the scheduled SSC electricity first division fixture against Galway. You know, the fixture will not take place at. Um, tonight and this matter will now be referred to the FAI's disciplinary control unit. Disappointed that that was the case and the game was off because obviously we had lads going to that. I think Paul Tierney was originally meant to be going to the game in uh, in Cabinteely and ended up going to UCD instead and obviously Jonathan was meant to go as a photographer but were you surprised? You know, I know we we done a separate show speaking about COVID and stuff like that and then you have this popping up. I mean, it doesn't look well. Unfortunately, in these COVID times, uh, we are going to lose the odd game and uh, I think it's a huge disappointment for Cabin Teeley given that such a fantastic start to the season with two great wins. I'm sure they would have been absolutely buzzing and looking forward to playing Galway. Uh, I, I'm not sure. I, I don't know the facts, Paul, so I think it'd be very harsh to talk about giving the points to Galway. Um, but it must be very no, they're the Chinese whispers of, uh, okay. of people I know. There's the, okay. nothing that, regarding the club or the FAI come out and saying that. So. All right. So um, I'm sure it's very, very frustrating for Cabo because they'd made such a fantastic start to the season and they would have been absolutely buzzing and looking forward to to facing Galway. It's also very frustrating from a Galway perspective coming off that very disappointing defeat in Athlone. I'm sure they would have wanted to get that out of their system. And unfortunately, from a treaty perspective, it, it might be in them in DC Park on Friday night that they, they get that bad result out of their system. Uh, incidentally, uh, John Caulfield, even though he would have been in Dublin uh, when the game, obviously when the game was called off, uh, still managed to make it to the markets field to to watch Treaty United and Cove Ramblers. Uh, so I'd say speed limits must have been broken there on the way down the waterway, but fair play to him. And, Chinese uh, whispers. That's not Chinese whispers. I could see him in the stand. <laughs> but, no, I've um, speed limits. Uh, speed limits. Well, I leave that up to the guardie to worry about that one. But um, fair play to John Caulfield. Uh, he certainly works incredibly hard, and uh, it, it will be a massive game for him. Uh, I, I'm sure he's not going to be happy that his team are st- stuck on one point and will have a, to play catch up now with a game. And uh, because obviously the the big focus on on Galway is t- to win this division or at least compete very strongly to, to win the division. They've gone full time this year, so it's uh, a real statement of intent. So they'll be very disappointed as well. The game will be called off. I, I, look, I think it's just unfortunate with COVID. I mean, there are still cases out there. Players are. I, I don't actually know what the situation is with the testing anymore. I know there was a lot of testing went on last season to allow the games to come back and the games to continue. So I don't know if the squad or, or the squads in the Premier and First Division are tested on a regular basis anymore. Um, I don't know if you know, lads, or maybe someone in the comments can let us know. But uh, I think it's just, uh, unfortunately, I mean, who knows where 
you can pick up COVID at this stage, you can get it in the supermarket or anything like that. So I think it may be harsh to to punish a club if they have to call a game off at this uh, this stage. But again, I don't know the, the facts or what went on here. But probably um, for both sides, um, disappointing and probably frustrating that the game couldn't go ahead. And Jer, anything to touch on there before we wrap it up? No, just the only thing, going back to your Chinese whispers, it will be interesting to see what is going to happen with this game because I'm 90% certain, I'm not, I won't say I'm for definite, but I think the FAI did say at the start of the season there will be no rearranged matches for, for COVID. That game, three points will be awarded on the day. Like Again, we haven't heard anything concrete on this, so it will be interesting just to see what will happen. There probably is more flexibility in the first division to rearrange matches because there's only three rounds of games, so there probably is a little bit more freedom as opposed to the Premier Division with four. But just kind of the same as, as to what Gary kind of said, like it just will be interesting to see what effect this will have on Cabo because as they traditionally do in the first division, they start the season quite well. So whether this will break their momentum or not, it's hard to know. And that's what the Galway kind of point of view, I suppose. This was finally their chance to unleash the hurt and anger and disappointment from the Athlone defeat. And unfortunately for Gary now, that's going to build up for an extra week ahead of Treaty United on Friday night. Yeah, I think the, the, the most frustrating thing probably from, for Galway's point of view is, you know, how late it was, probably people going to the game and stuff like that. That's probably the most annoying thing. It was, it was, I think, around six o'clock or whatever when I got, I got the notice. It could, be, it could have been between half five or whatever, but it's still quite late in the day and they'd obviously have made their trip up from Galway, you know? Yeah, I think it was 20 to 6 it was called off, if I remember the, the exact time. So they obviously would have been in Dublin at that stage. Um, and it is very late they've made all their plans and everything so it must be extremely frustrating for them uh, yeah I, I think to be very harsh to uh, to award God, well Galway are certainly the innocent parties on this but I think it would be very harsh on Cabo to just award the, the win to Galway like that but again I don't know the facts of what went on there yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see what happens and what the outcome is on that. Uh, huge thanks, lads, for joining us for the League of Ireland show, episode three. Let us know your thoughts in the comments on anything we discussed. And uh, don't forget to like the video. Share the video with your friends as well. Lots of people telling us that we're doing good stuff for the league. So if you're League of Ireland friends, don't know about us, why not tell them and share the video? Uh, please don't subscribe. Or please don't forget to subscribe. Please do subscribe. And uh, we'll speak to you all soon. Thanks for watching. The IFF TV Podcast, presented by Paul Nealon. Like, rate and subscribe.